Welcome to Picks and Flicks. This is a podcast where myself, Stephen Pigeon, and my co-host, CJ Welsh, take game and movie pairings and discuss them to see if they work against each other in different ways. CJ is a filmmaker and producer, and I work in production across both games and film. Before we start, I would like to acknowledge the traditional owners and custodians of this land of which we currently occupy, and pay our respects to elders past, present, and emerging. Sovereignty was never ceded, it always was and always will be Aboriginal land. In this episode, we're looking at Back for Blood and Night of the Living Dead, the original one from 1968. Um, we're looking at this as to be like Back for Blood is the most recent new zombie game, and Night of the Living Dead is arguably like one of the original ones in like the modern trend of zombies. I, I would definitely call it the the instigator of the modern zombie film trend. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, and so we thought we'd use this as a parent to kind of like discuss how zombies um, have trended and evolved through pop culture over the years. Um, obviously, again, this is a full spoiler warning. If you haven't watched this movie or played this game, we're going to be talking about them in depth. Um, there'll be further info in the show notes. But for now, let's get into it. Definitely, yeah. I, it is worth noting that um, the the film that we watched, so Night of the Living Dead, the the original uh, George Romero one, uh, in a bizarre twist, is not actually copyrighted. It's currently in public domain. So there's multiple ways to watch it. Um, there's the the color remaster on Amazon Prime. Wait, there's a color remaster? Yeah, there? yeah. So the Amazon Prime one is a, is a colored remaster. Uh, and so it's like it's not a remake. It is the original film that was in black and white, but they I forget the process, but they've spent quite a bit of money to make it color. So that one is copyrighted and it belongs to whichever distributor spent the money to do that. Um, whereas the one that's on YouTube, for example, is a legit uh, version of the original film. There's a couple of versions. Yeah, there's of a few of them out there. And so the, the reason it's on YouTube in its entirety is because the original release print uh, was through a hilarious uh, cock up on the part of the distributor, not copyrighted. Oh, so this originally was never copyrighted. Yeah, it, it was it. something to do with um, the print release doesn't have a copyright sign on it. Like as in in the credits where you're supposed to list like who owns this, what's the copyright of the film, it's not there. It just doesn't have oh, one. Wow. So it was never officially copyrighted. That's partly because copyright law in the US is different to the way it is here in Australia where it's automatic or implicit. So in the US, you have to say this is copyrighted. I own this. Um, and they didn't do it. So it immediately, uh, it got re-released not long after that, but it means that the original release of the film is is public domain. You That's can use really it whatever you want. I mean, because what is it like in terms of um, copyright going to free domain, at least in the US? Is it 50 years or is it 70 years? It's, it, this, oh, it's so annoying. So it's not just 70 years, it's 70 years after the death of the author. Oh, okay. So, and Romero's still around, isn't he? Romero's still around. So this, this is the problem that you have is that... Uh, it's not just, oh, the uh, the original author is dead. That will now go into public domain. Uh, no, you now have to wait another 70 years, which is why we're reaching a weird point where less and less stuff is entering the public domain mm. because when the copyright laws were changed, uh, which is largely Disney's fault, we won't get into that. That's a whole other <laughs> ball game. But when they were changed, uh, it, was, it, was, it wasn't retroactive. So there was a whole slew of content that was uh, becoming public domain. In fact, ironically, a lot of Disney's... Uh, original stories, the animations, what they're adapted from is public domain. And so you could go and make your own, you know, Pinocchio film. You can do that. You don't need permission. Yeah, to there was that. that new one that came out. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You don't need to option that. That's public domain. But the Disney version of Pinocchio absolutely belongs to them. And so that's why, like, yeah, they, they made all these changes. And now 
you have to wait till somebody dies and then 70 years and then it becomes public domain. So we're all going to be waiting approximately another 100 years before the next major public domain boost uh, happens. Oh, man. Yeah, it's kind of kind of sad if you think about it that way. There's a lot of things where roughly 100 years from now, suddenly, you know, Mad Max will become public well, domain. And that, and that's <laughs> also not to say they don't, like, change things again before that happens. Yeah, well, that's exactly it. The laws could change again. So who knows? Maybe Maybe they'll scrap public domain altogether at some point. Oh man. Okay. Well, like uh, going back to Night of the Living Dead, had you actually seen it before? No. So I, I thought I had seen it, um, which I don't know how I got this in my head, but I've, I saw one of the eventual remakes, and there's been like there's a lot of remakes. Yeah, there's a ton of them. So I saw one of those at some point in in my youth, and was I just assumed that was the original. So watching this, I was like actually blown away. I was like, hang on, I've never seen this. What, yeah. what is going on? And it was it wasn't at all what I expected in terms of uh, a zombie film, and that's. I mean, that's sort of the issue we're getting at here is that, well, not, not an issue necessarily, but a talking point, that the modern idea of zombies clearly took root from this film. Th- yeah, this but movie it's was not the same. Yeah, so this movie definitely like set the mark in terms of what a lot of other people like followed as a reference point. Um, but zombies also existed before this film, too. Like, I think the first like known feature film about a zombie is called White Zombie from 1932, I think. Um, and in that sense, it's also like when you look at the definition of the word zombie, the original one is just basically a reanimated corpse um, that's done through like magical voodoo or any other means. And like in Night yeah, of the strong, Dead, strong voodoo origins there, yeah. Yeah, and in, in Night of the Living Dead, it actually implied that it's um, alien radiation from a satellite that's fallen to Earth yeah, that's caused I, it. I was so shocked by that. I was like, wow, this is actually kind of more sci-fi than it is straight yeah. horror. And I didn't, I didn't realize, I was like, I was trying to rack my brain and I couldn't think of anything uh, except for the recent uh, film Army of the Dead. Mm. So that's the, the the Zack Snyder film, which, again, major spoilers. If you haven't seen that film and you're really, really keen on it, just tune out for the next 30 seconds. But that film has a pretty heavy alien element in it. Well, it's not just aliens. In that film, actually, uh, kind of hint at a lot of different things. There's, zo- there's robot zombies. That's apparently like a government conspiracy. Um, there's whatever they were transporting from Area 51, which is where we, where we get the first zombie. Um, and then there's, I think there's something at the end too that like, yeah. yeah. So there's, there's a few elements and I was like, I don't, I don't recall seeing an alien nod in, in any other recent zombie material. So I don't know if that's a thing that we just sort of skipped and went like, yeah, it happened in that night of the living dead, but don't worry about it. We're just going to, we're just going to ignore that. Or has it been brought up in other films and I just haven't noticed? Well, I feel like, like a lot of zombie stuff in general tends to have that kind of conspiracy stuff behind them. Like, you know, 28 Days Later, which um, is also another example of, like, are they actually zombies? Because they kind of um, trend away from it again. Um, well, uh, but what was I going to say? So that's also, like, a government thing where, like, they're doing these experiments on apes and then, like, this rebellion group uh, frees them and then it causes the zombie outbreak. That's true, yeah. I don't... The, 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 it was a virus in that one that was just called Rage. Yes. So we've got, we've got the, the Night of the Living Dead has uh, Venus probe radiation of unknown origins... We've got uh, some sort of man-made virus causing yep. like a rabies-like thing. And then, of course, in Back for Blood... It's a parasite. It's worms. It's the one that gets you always. Yeah, parasite. Yeah. Um, it's really interesting in Back for Blood too, being like... Because it, it, it's leaning very heavily into it being a video game and like there's different zombie uh, types for the sake of it being a different mechanics in a video game. Yeah, you got to have you got to have different enemies for different play styles and yeah. yeah. Uh, but it is interesting looking at the way they do zombies being like 
are they actually zombies? Because technically, um, the, the zombie means reanimated corpse. Mm. Uh, so it means the person has to die and then come back. Yeah. Whereas, like in a lot of these ones, like Twenty Eight Days Later as well, in Back for Blood, they haven't actually died; they've just been infected or like have become a host to another living organism inside them. Yeah, that's, that's true. That's kind of like fucking up their body. And if the alien organism wasn't there anymore, they would certainly die. But have they actually died yet? Yeah, you do see that with um, a few other things I've noticed. Actually, uh, I don't know where it started. The first one I can think of, video game wise, which is probably not accurate, but the first one that comes to my mind was Resident Evil Four. Um, wherein the enemies are these, like, they call it the Las Plagas, and it's it's very clearly an, a, a parasitic infection as opposed to the, the first few Resident Evil games, which are always the, the zombie virus. It's a specific man-made virus that turns you into a reanimated corpse. It kills you and then reanimates you. Yeah, right. Whereas the fourth one, it's a parasite instead. And they've, they've started, like, linking all that lore together uh, I won't spoil Resident Evil 8 because it's relatively new and it's it's pretty amazing. I, I just bought some of the Resident Evil games because I've never played them before and I really want to check oh, them out. Yeah, no, yeah. they're so good. I mean, look, some of the, some of them have aged better than others. <laughs> There's a reason that they just went back and remade Resident Evil 2 and 3. And, yeah. but, but certainly the remakes are like next level good. Amazing, really incredible remakes. Um, they really capture the essence of the original in a really excellent way. But yeah, I did find it interesting that they've, they've uh, there's been eight eight of these games now, and there's actually more if you count some of the weird side games. There's probably like twelve or something in the, mm. in the series total, plus the movies, which I haven't seen. Plus the movies, unrelated to the games, but we should <laughs> do an episode on that because there is a lot to unpack in, in I mean, the weird direction those movies took. It'd be a huge time sink, but I'd love to do an episode just like on the Resident Evil thing, the franchise, like, the franchise, and, and the whole Man. thing. Uh, we general. could do it. We could do it. You've got the the actual film series. Uh, which is arguably an adaptation of the games. And, and that's, you know, again, I won't dig into that too hard because it is an episode to itself. Well, isn't the new one coming out called Welcome to Raccoon City? Yeah, so that's the, that's the other bit. You've got the, the, the film series that was released and then you've got this new one that's coming out, which is meant to be a much closer adaptation of the games, but also a unique story within that world. So they're saying, like, we're not going to just retell the story of the game we're going to tell a different story, but it's definitely the same universe as the game. Is it using like characters from the games as like brand new characters? Yeah, no, I, 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 I'm trying to remember what I saw in the trailer. There's, there's definitely characters from the games in there. Like it's, it's, it's all related. Whereas the, the films that exist did not go in that direction. I guess, I guess that's similar to like, um, so Back for Blood is like a spiritual sequel to Left 4 Dead, right? Like, it's, yeah. it's very clearly an actual sequel. And that, that was one of my um, notes to talk, to talk about, too, specifically its relationship with Left 4 Dead, because um, it's the same developers as Left 4 mm. Dead 1 and 2, uh, which have sub- subsequently left Valve and and uh, started their own studio. Same players, different team, yeah. And, and like, yeah, the, the DNA of Left 4 Dead is all throughout Back 4 Blood. But mm. then they've also added their own system, like the card system and all that. But I won't go too much into that, because, like, that's very, like specific game mechanics that's a very deep game mechanic yeah but it is fascinating to look at how uh if left for dead is a interpretation of the zombie uh genre and left for dead is also quite specifically like an homage to zombie horror films like they're specifically zombies you've got the film grain effect while you're playing the game yeah um and you've got like the intro cinematics and and like it it is very much like a game that's like, we are like a zombie horror movie, but we're a game. Yeah. Whereas Back for Blood is very much more like, no, we're, we're just a zombie video game. Yeah. And I think that, I think that's interesting. It's like Back for Blood is kind of an adaptation of Left 4 Dead, if you view it through that lens of like, 
instead of thinking of it as a sequel, it's it's a reimagining of what Left 4 Dead could could be. Yeah. Or, you know, or like where it could have gone. Where it could have gone, yeah. So like it's technically a sequel, but it's a spiritual sequel, not an official sequel. And then you've got the they're they're both trying to be interpretations of the zombie sort of law or, or tropes that were initiated by something like Night of the Living Dead. Yeah. It was interesting. So another thing I found out about the Night of the Living Dead, because uh, when you talk about like what a zombie is, another um, element that comes to mind is, you know, they feast on human flesh. Mm. That was never part of what um, the zombie definition was before Night of the Living Dead. Yeah, which is actually kind of a really good point. They don't. I don't know that um, they actually say the word zombie in the they film. They don't. They never refer to as zombies. They never refer to as zombies. So they talk about so, uh, the cannibal, cannibal corpse eating, and all this sort of stuff. And yeah, the, the way they kind of um, specifically worded it because they have like a lot of radio messages and the news broadcasts and that stuff like that, and they're talking about it is mass hysteria and homicide on like the uh, on on just like a third of the country. So it's not everywhere. It's, it's not very, everywhere. It was very, limited to a specific spot. Yeah. Yeah. And and then I talk about like the victims of the murderers or the murderers eating the victim's flesh and feasting on their flesh. Yeah. They call them ghouls. There's a whole thing yeah. of calling them uh, ghouls and the idea of them being cannibal ghouls. And I don't, it's really interesting because I don't know that I, I don't know that I've heard that term in the subsequent zombie films in the genre. I don't think you actually really see or hear of ghouls that much anymore. Yeah, and it's I, not a term like, that gets used. I, I love ghouls. We should bring back ghouls, you know? I think that's a... Maybe that's what's missing is that we, we've we've gotten over the man-made virus. We've gotten over the the idea of, like, some sort of space alien virus. And so now we're with parasites. It's worms. It's some sort of natural occurring, you know, like The Last of Us is the... Um, the mushroom. Yeah. I can never yeah, remember yeah. what it's called. Cordyceps. The cordyceps mushroom, which is real and terrifying. And so it's like we've we found real things to line up with instead of made up viruses and, and whatever. That's probably too to, to give it more of like a, like this is something that like, you know, you, like suspend your disbelief whatever, but foreseeable you could see happening. Yeah. So it's more of that like if you're out and you see this mushroom, like it adds more to the actual horror element because it feels more close to home. Right. Whereas like ghouls, we immediately file away with like, oh yes, but that's supernatural. That's or, not a real... Well, yeah. that's it. Or like alien radiation. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So maybe that's why. Maybe maybe the genre has steered more towards these these realistic But then things. Army of the Dead didn't. The Army of the Dead didn't, no. Well, they didn't really explain it though. They didn't say where it came from. Army of the Dead military is military secret much- something something. Yeah, they're very much leaning into like it could be any of this. I Maybe think they're. I mean, they're going to dig into it, right? Because there's yeah. more of those coming out. There's like there's a new one coming out shortly. That's a prequel to it. And then there's also like the anime series where yeah. they're talking more about Area Fifty One and I think the robot stuff. I wonder why. I mean, I know we've had you know there's Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Living Dead, Day of the Living Dead. There's like ten of those movies, right? So like, and and they're not all like made by Romero. Like, no, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It, it it became its own uh, franchise, its own genre. The, you know, is the, it the franchise the living dead genre? It was kind of like it, know, everyone's doing like weird. a like a homage to like that wording. Of There's like definitely the like sequels though, like like Dawn of the De- Dawn of uh, that's right because it's not Dawn of the Living Dead, it's just Dawn of the Dead. Yep. Um, and then Shaun of the Dead, which is like a parody of Dawn of the Dead, which is. Uh, uh, an homage slash I mean, interpretation of Night of the Living Dead. Yeah, yeah. It's also interesting thinking that um, Zack Snyder did the 2004 Dawn of the Dead yeah. and then followed it up now with Army of the Dead. I mean, that's very clearly in the same universe. Uh, from my understanding was that Army of the Dead takes place in the same universe as as the other film. Oh, really? Whether it's a prequel or a sequel or not remains unclear. Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. And another thing that I thought was interesting too, so after watching Night of the Living Dead and being like, it's not actually... I mean, for uh, so there's two points here actually. So... Um, 
it's gory, but like it's not typically zombie mm. gory. And then I watched a scene from the 1990 remake uh, of the um, the couple like in the couple that actually brother and sister in the graveyard, and the guy saying they're coming for you, Barbara. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then they do a fake out with like the zombie that is the zombie in the original one, and then another one comes in, and it's like bloody and gory, and like this, yeah. this is like the like more leaning more towards the characterization of zombies mm. rather than in the original one. They just, they just kind of look like people. Yeah, I, they're they're just. Uh, I mean, maybe the word ghoul is right. They're ghoulish looking people. Mm. They're not they're not covered in blood or gore or anything. Um, and there is a little bit of quite intense violence in the film. There but, is, but it's not. And yeah, there was it's not gory. There was one scene in particular. So one thing that I wasn't expecting with Night of the Living Dead too is that like the zombies are actually kind of smart where they pick up and use tools and like yeah. you know they smash windows and they throw bricks and and they they use like um, bits of wood and hit things with them and one of the a scene that I totally wasn't expecting I was totaling this character to become a zombie which is the little girl that's sick yeah yeah and so of <laughs> course like it's a Chekhov's gun she becomes a zombie in the cell and starts attacking them but yeah. what I didn't expect was is that she picked up a garden trowel and just started stabbing and killing her mother with it yeah it, and like and they don't actually like show like that, the stabbing going in, but they, sh- they do all the clever shots and tricks around it. But it's still like for a movie from 1968, I was not expecting that. No, not at all. I think that that was. Um, I mean, I'd have to check the actual timing on here, but I was like, I was just googling it really quickly. The Manson murders happened after this movie came out. I'm pretty sure they're in the same same few I year period. I, that would have been 1969. The murders. I think so. Yeah, and this movie came out 68. Yeah, so I'm kind of like, doing, okay, yeah. I wonder if like which came first. But it, it is fascinating that uh, the the horror in in Night of the Living Dead isn't necessarily about the the dead coming back to eat you. No, it's 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 the the ghoulishness of uh, a a mindless person just stabbing and attacking and murdering, and this like. Yeah, just this idea yeah. that like you can't you can't control it. They're out of control, and they're just they're going to get in, and they're going to. It's you know, it could be your neighbor, it could be this person. So this is the other thing I wanted to talk about too. So uh, Romero has um, said that when he was making this movie, he just wanted to make like a horror movie, but there's so much more happening with the movie too that like you could also argue that like the horror for the main characters isn't necessarily the zombies, but it's the other people they're stuck with, especially mm. the main character turning yeah. out to be a black person. Um, Which I mean, so interesting that I, I looked this up. That's the first time there was an African American actor as the star of a horror film. Yeah, so they, like everyone and, watching and not at the portrayed time, as like a as like a dumb person, like yeah. like smart, logical, doing like simple, straightforward solutions. Everybody watching at the time would have been like, "This guy's gonna die for sure." And it like he lasts the whole film. You're like you until know, until that very ending, which in a way is like such a modern take on racism. Because I immediately went to, oh my god. This is almost the exact same ending as Get Out. Yeah, right. Because uh, I was when I was looking it up after people were, people were talking about it in relation to Get Out, and when they were watching Get Out, when the cop car pulls up, everyone like starts groaning, groaning and rolling their eyes, being like, "Oh, we know what's going to happen." Yeah, and then it's, it's his mate from the TSA. Exactly, and I'm like, "Oh my god, that's like I did not realize that that scene in Get Out was a homage to this." Neither did I, and um. Because there was a moment where Jordan Peele actually posted a screenshot from Night of the Living Dead, uh, like yeah, wow, like pointing it out. And I don't think I'm not sure if he was specifically pointing out in relation to Get Out, but he mm. was like celebrating Night of the Living Dead. Yeah. Um, and apparently too. So when George Romero wrote this movie, he wrote the ending first mm. and kind of did, and then worked 
on everything backwards from that point. Because when the yeah, ending wow. happened too, it was really interesting. Like, you know, uh, the zombie attack is happening and um, I forget the character's name, but like the main guy goes into the cellar. Ben, Ben, Ben. Yeah. Yeah. Um, blocks it off of all the zombies up there and everyone else is dead. And I thought like this could be just where it ends. Mm. But then like it goes into the next day and it goes into like the rescue party and the search team and all that kind of stuff. Um, and we spent like a, a pretty good amount of yeah. time with them and then they're going out and then as soon as they see Ben like walking towards the window of the house and he's holding a gun, like he's pretty clearly not one of the zombies. Yeah. And then it's immediately like, oh yeah, there's another one, shoot him. All right, cool, it's dead. Let's grab the body and burn it. Yeah. And, like, what? And, and, like, and, and like they don't even like blink an eye at no, it. No, nothing. Don't even bat an eyelid. And, and it, like it, it just was like that moment was a purely racist moment, like yeah. from the characters. Yeah, yeah. And I just, I just kind of like sat back there in a bit of shock because like out of everything that happened in the movie, that was the one thing that yeah. like threw me for a loop the most. I was not expecting that at all. Like, legitimately shocking. And then they have like the and then I have like the photos, images of the stuff, and like you know having like the butcher's hooks. Um, and like dragging the body out and then putting it on the fire and yeah, all this yeah. kind of stuff. And like, it was really intense. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was interesting. The, um, when they did the cutaways to like the other local townspeople, you know, gathering together and getting their guns and what's the plan. And they're doing like a TV interview and the dude's like, Oh, what's, how do you deal with them? And he's like, you just burn them. You just burn the corpses fire. <laughs> and he's like, you just got to destroy the brain. Yep, got a bullet. That'll do it. No worries. And you're like, yeah, so matter of factly. Yeah. It was such a weird thing because, like, in modern zombie films, everybody freaks out. Somebody's yep. getting eaten, and nobody stands there and goes, "Oh, this is chill, mate. You just shoot him in the head. Don't worry about it." Instead, everyone's like, "Ah, fuck. What do we do?" And I thought it was fascinating that back then we haven't had, you know, a hundred years of zombie films. We haven't had decades. We haven't of, had like, like the high intensity of zombies. Yeah. So they're they're not that scary. They're scary. But they're not absurd or over the top to the point of being like, how will we possibly overcome this? Because this the first thing you think of in modern zombie films is like the army would totally have sorted this out in like 24 hours. No worries. Like yeah, right. a bunch of guys with guns could have solved that problem. No worries. So to combat, to combat that, zombies have to get faster and then meaner. Come in 28 days later. They're yeah, the first right? like running zombies. So then you're like, okay, well, no, the, the, the military can't compete with that. It's too dangerous, too scary. And then you're getting films like World War Z where it's like, it doesn't even matter if they're fast. There's ju It's just millions of them. Yeah. There's so many of them. They're going to overwhelm you. It doesn't matter how good your, your military is. And I'm like, yeah, wow. So we're, we're sort of taking that original concept and this attitude of like, ah, it's fine, mate. It's very scary for one person for one night, but don't worry about it. Shoot him in the head, burn him. She'll be right. It's also another thing too, where like uh, a lot of zombie movies in pop culture seem to pretend as if like in that universe, zombie movies don't exist. It's almost become a rule because it's that thing. If zombies existed, everybody would immediately be like, this is not actually that scary. We'll just shoot them in the head. Or, or it could be the kind of thing where, like, if the, in that universe zombie movies existed at least, people were like, I mean, this is clearly ridiculous. This is just something that happens in movies. I mean, like, in Shaun of the Dead, too, yeah. they kind of, like, make fun of it where, um, uh, oh, God, Sean Peck and Nick Frost. So his character uh, at one point calls them zombies. And then Sean's like, don't use that word. Don't yeah. use the Z word. <laughs> and, then, yeah. and then, like, they move on with the rest of the movie not using that word. Yeah. Um, but I think it would be interesting, like, having a, having a movie following a character where the main character, like, knows all the zombie zombie rules from zombie movies goes forward and you know it'd probably be funny if they're the first one to die <laughs> you know, i mean i feel like they'd have to be right because that that immediately kills the drama for the film is a a traditional a night of the living dead style traditional zombie mm -hmm. outbreak would not be that hard to overcome with modern modern equipment and settings right yeah like 
okay, so the audience can't see this, but where I live used to be a prison complex. It's inherently quite fortifiable. With a bit of time plan- time and planning, I could totally hold this joint against the, a zombie They're in the horde. perfect place for it. Perfect place. And so I'm like, if there was an actual zombie outbreak, most people's plan is like, oh, I'd get to the ocean or I'd get here, I'd get wherever. I'm like, I'd go to Bunnings and get a bunch of wood <laughs> and I'd fortify the hell out of my house because it's pretty Going safe. Going to Bunnings would be the first place to go to. <laughs> right? I mean, okay. This is, yeah, I, I can't remember where <laughs> I saw this, but I did watch this in a show recently, which is like, there's been an apocalypse of some sort and there's finally a character who hold up at the, at the equivalent of the Bunnings. And everyone's like, why did you come here? There's no food here. And he's just like, y'all came Wait. here with the food I've got everything else oh, I think I, I think I've seen this too but I can't remember what it's from Is it, it's not from Loki maybe because they is. talk about different like categories of apocalypses in that show um, oh, you know what it is they're at like a uh, the equivalent of like a Best Buy or something yeah it's like a massive shop and it's got everything you know it's the Walmart it's got an electronic section food section everything I was like, that's the smartest place to go yeah yeah it's- you got a big apocalypse happening go there why? Because it's got everything, mate. It's got weapons. It's got food. It's got tools. I mean, in America, if you go to Walmart too, yeah, you've got, it's guns. got guns, right? What else do you need? So yeah, the modern the modern take on the zombie flick inherently requires you to not know what zombies are because if you do, you'll probably handle that situation. Real it's quick. kind of like um, when you look at all the new Marvel movies too, and like all the all the superheroes are getting like ridiculously more and more powerful. If that power creep is real, yeah. And then you're gonna be like, well, why won't you around during like Thanos's attack and stuff like yeah. that? So they've got to make up all these excuses and reasons as to like why they went there, why they couldn't use their powers and stuff like that. Yeah, there's. A, I mean, the, the, I can't. Where did I see that recently? I was playing. It must have been the new uh, Marvel's Avengers game. That's it's it's on Game Pass again. Soft plug for Game Pass. There's, it's on there, and I remember when. I started it there's a whole thing about um they're supposed to like there was a big attack or something and it's like all the only people around is like Hulk and Iron Man and Captain America and I'm like come on mate at this point in Marvel Comics where this game is set yeah. there's like 50 heroes where's everybody else <laughs> and they ha- they actually have a throwaway line from Captain America being like oh yeah um, Captain Marvel would love that, but she's off planet at the moment. And I'm like, yeah, convenient. Like <laughs> yeah. that would have ended the game in about 30 seconds. So yeah, there's yeah, this then, idea and then there's of no yeah, content. Okay. And then there's no content. What are you going to play? I feel like, yeah, zombie movies is the same. If you, if you know what zombies are and how to, how to easily defeat them, then the movie doesn't work. It's dead, it's, right? It's kind of similar. Uh, if you compare alien and aliens. Yeah. Like yeah. Alien is one of them. But if you had one army guy over with an assault rifle in that movie, problem solved. Yeah, problem solved. But because they're just truckers in space with no tools to defend themselves, yeah. Uh, and then aliens, it's an army of aliens against an army. Maybe that's maybe that's the thing with Back for Blood is that like it it feels like a zombie piece in all of the right ways, and they've they've done it in a way that it's like, look, it's a video game. We're not going to bother explaining why this is happening and the world ended and blah blah blah. blah. You're in it. You're in it and you know well, how it a, works. A lot of movies do that now too. Like they're just going to yeah. be like, we've seen enough of this kind of thing. We don't need to actually give you the exposition. Yeah, you get the rules. All yeah. you need to know is the world's over. These are zombies and this is what the characters are trying to do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, it is really interesting though, looking at Back for Blood and looking at zombies in video games and to see like how zombies have evolved and changed to match um, mm. what, like different games so and, and movies and all that in general but like how do I want to use them to do something new and fresh mm. so you know Left 4 Dead and Back 4 Blood and most other zombie games will have different zombie types so you have like your slow walker kind of classic Night of the Living Dead you have your fast runner 28 days later but then you also have like like in uh, Left 4 Dead you have the smoker which has this really long tongue that comes out and grabs you and pulls God, you I away that stupid thing yeah. um, you have the witch that like screams really loudly and calls everyone to you 
you have, um, you know, your tank and your big brute that, like, is just a giant boulder mm. that just crashes into all of you. In all, ter- all, all of which exist in Back for Blood, but with different names. Yeah, yeah. And I, whenever I play Back for Blood, I just refer to them as the Left 4 Dead names. Yeah, I mean, a couple of them are basically the same. I remember that the witch is now called the Snitch. Yeah. And it's, like, same, same. It alerts all the zombie hordes to your presence. It does the same thing. It's the, yeah. And it's the kind of thing, too. It's like, okay, so there's different zombie types. And Army of the Dead actually did this bit with, um, the queen of the zombies and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, that's true. There were smart zombies in that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's also like, yeah, there's different zombie types. We don't need to explain why or how there's different zombie types because the reason they exist is to add a variety in gameplay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, maybe that's it. They, both, both Night of the Living Dead and Back for Blood very comfortably feel like zombie material, but they're so different. So it's kind of weird that they feel so same-same where you're like, yeah, they're both very clearly zombie entertainment. But... Like it's it's almost bizarre to look at Back for Blood and be like that that comes from Night of the Living Dead. Yeah, but like it does. It yeah, owes yeah. a lot of what it is to Night of the Living Dead. Well, it's I, just that we so much time and evolution has happened that it it looks so different. But you can trace the lineage back for sure. Well, it's kind of interesting. Basically, anything that comes out now is zombies. Like zombies inherently mm. owe their existence to Night of the Living Dead, or at least owe like the way they exist now mm. to Night of the Living Dead. Because without that movie. I mean, sure, maybe something later on might have come around and, like, set it up instead. But that movie really, like, this is what the zombies are and this is what they are now. Like, you know, the flesh-eating was a new thing. Um, and everyone just kind of, like, followed on from that point. And, and, and a lot of the tropes of um, not being able to trust your fellow survivors and that, like, in the zombie apocalypse, the real enemy is other people. Yeah. Right? And, like, that, that has continued as a trend through almost all zombie media. Night of the Dead 2 actually did a thing uh, that I didn't expect where they said, when you die, no matter how you die, you come back. Yeah, that's true. You don't always see that. And a lot of the zombie media, you have to be bitten. Yeah. Uh, or, or otherwise infected. Whereas... Because I know um, um, The Walking Dead in particular made a point of like, it doesn't matter, we all have it, we're all fucked, when we die, we come back. Yeah, I think that... I think um, Walking Dead was one of the first ones to just do a blanket, it's going to be everybody. But beyond them... I do recall. I'm gonna muck this up. It 28 even, days later, you have to like be. You have to have the blood in you. Yeah, 28 days later, you got to get. A, it's a blood to blood infection because it's based on rabies slash Ebola. But the the other big one that does it, where it's everybody. I, I'm gonna muck this up. So someone in the comments correct me. But I'm pretty sure it is actually ironic as we're talking about the Zack Snyder Dawn of the Dead. And it was such a silly um, thing. I think it's an opening bit of exposition that just is basically like, yeah, hell is full, and that's why everyone's coming back. Like, it's not to do with, like, an infection. It was that, like, you know, we've done too many horrible things. Humanity has reached a point where we're just not worth saving. Hell is officially closed, its doors is full. And so when you die, you come back as a zombie instead. You know, um, because you just uh, mentioned hell, it's making me think of the religious undertones. Because I just watched Midnight Mass. And there was a a scene in that that actually... um, Big spoilers of Midnight Mass right now. But it's about vampires. And I mean, I'm hoping you've picked that up from the trailers. and Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, I don't know if that necessarily is a big spoiler, but yeah. I, I, I went into it not watching any trailers. Oh, really? And it was, if you it didn't one see of the any of the trailers, then yeah, it would be... Yeah, going in cold I, might actually be amazing. I love that show. So I'm going to apologize if we just ruined that for anybody, but it's but sick. Yeah, it's about vampires. And there's one there's one particular scene or like whole like like big thing in the second last episode, I think, where everyone on the island 
um, is infected and has become a vampire. Mm. But when the scene was playing out with people going to everyone's homes and attacking and killing people and the way they were kind of like walking around and shambling with their eyes lit up in the dark, it actually made me think a lot more about zombies. Yeah, there was definitely more of a, a zombie vibe. I don't know where that, where that is too. You think about like, just, Even just, the way just you the, described it just then, yeah. There's just like the a, visual of it. There's a profile zombies. of what a zombie is where like, it's almost that who's that Pokemon meme. If you show me the profile of a zombie versus a vampire, I can tell the difference. Yeah. I don't have to see the character. The outline will do the job. You know, the way that they comport themselves, carry themselves. Zombies have like a way of moving and behaving. Mm. It's very, it's, it's either corpse-like or animal-like depending on what type of zombie they are. Whereas vampires are always like super smooth and cool and sexy. Like that's just been a thing of like they're always so silky smooth, and like even in Midnight Mass, they're like you know the the main main big dude like was the like, ancient vampire. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, he was way more animalistic. But then there's moments where he's like perfectly still, and you know very eerie. I mean now now we're just talking about Midnight Mass, but there was one yeah. moment in that where I was like that ancient vampire seems to be really intelligent because like it's uh, there's that scene where it's mm. dressed in a robe and like waiting and like is giving the blood for the thing to infect other people. Yeah. But then there's moments where like it's just feeding on someone and it's not giving a shit what's happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Two extremes, yeah. Which is really cool. I mean, it's, it's so it's interesting thinking now on like, so we have different types of zombies and different rules and, and different um, character types, I suppose. Yeah, I'd say, yeah. It's, yeah. it's interesting thinking about that in terms of other... Um, horror creatures so like vampires and ghouls and werewolves and stuff and being like how are the different depictions mm. across time for all of them I can, yeah. like you know Twilight has their glittery vampire bullshit yeah that's true <laughs> vampires have had a bit of a run yeah there's there's, there's a few um, different there's, media types. there's the classic gothic vampire mm. which I really like another one for me is werewolves so like Harry Potter werewolves are like kind of like long and smooth and skinny mm. but I I much more attracted to like the actual like beast werewolf, like everyone like going down there on the all fours and hunched yeah. and hairy, and like actually becoming uh, more of an animal. It's funny you say that because I, I was going to say I don't think werewolves have had that same treatment. I I can only think of a couple of variations. They have vampires and zombies. I'm like, oh, there's dozens. You know, I think werewolves haven't had as much of a mainstream focus. Oh, oh my, we're predicting a trend for everybody listening. This is it. This is your moment, right? I if really you, hope werewolves come back. If you get in on the on the werewolf game right now. Right, it's like the early intro to Bitcoin or NFTs. Right, get in, get in, invest in werewolves now, because in two years they're <laughs> going to invest in werewolves. Invest in werewolves today, and it'll it'll tri- will triple your money in two years. It's going to be huge. It is interesting too, though, thinking that like um, the big zombie trend was around ten years ago, but they've kind of come back again a little bit. They're floating in and out, which I think is interesting. Yeah. Okay. Well. Ten years ago, I was like, "God, how old am I? How long? How how does I'm th- time?" Work? I'm thinking like Zombieland came out 2008, I think. Yeah, so you got Zombieland, you've got uh, the first Last of Us, which was a new take on zombies, mm-hmm. the cordyceps angle. Yeah, I mean, we'd seen I'd seen at least one fungusy type, parasitic type zombie before that. But that was the first legit fungus zombie. Now I've seen ten things that have got cordyceps style mushroom zombies in it. We've got you know, so there's a lot happening about ten years ago. There's a lot of media coming out, a lot of new zombie stuff. I think that was when Resident Evil had its first big revamp. Mm. And then we're sort of seeing it happen again where we've got Resident Evil 8. We've got a new supernatural uh, sort of sort of tinge on that where it's we've no had, longer straight um, zombies. It's all sorts of stuff. I think another big one uh, that we're missing out here too is the rom-com zombie or the zom rom-com. Oh, that's true. There was a big trend. And there's been quite a quite a few of that because there's, mm. there's warm bodies, there's eye zombie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I watched a, a Korean one called uh, Zombie for Sale. Uh, Brilliant. 
which was that that one is actually really cool. So the premise for for that is um, there's one zombie that's come out from like this uh, bio lab facility and bites someone, and what happens is they don't immediately turn into a zombie. They actually become young again. Ooh, and yeah. So uh, they find this out. This like scam artist family takes a zombie in and starts selling zombie bites to like Brilliant. to the whole town because most of the town are old people, so they want to get their youth back. Mm. And then the delayed effect, which happens to everyone at the same time for uh, like movie convenience logic, but everyone turns into zombies. Yeah. Um, and I think like one of the main characters is like forming this romantic relationship with this original zombie. And then what happens is they actually work out how to find a cure. So they bring everyone back, including the main guy. Um, they get together. Big happy ending. Wow. It, the movie is actually really lighthearted and funny. That's amazing. Uh, but it's also like just as gory and violent as any other zombie movie when, when the actual zombie outbreak happens. Yeah. There, was, there was a couple of these. There was a TV show a few years ago that was like a British, I think it was British, and it had that the zombie apocalypse was finished. It had happened. And we were done with that now. See, that's a really interesting thing that you don't see that much and more. Yeah, they were, they were like rehabilitating the, the people who had turned into zombies had been like cured and they'd been brought back into public life. And there was like, it was like, you know, people living with um, some sort of newly gained disability where it was like they were treated differently and there were special rules about whether or not they could be at work and they had to take this special medication. And that, you know, if one of them stopped taking their meds at any minute, they could they could break out and we could have a whole other zombie outbreak. And oh my goodness, it was a really interesting show. I think it got cancelled after one season. It was really that sad. Interesting. Um, but it was quite good. And it was that for me was sort of the beginning of the new take on zombies and this idea that we can have them back. We just like, we can't have traditional zombies again. We're over like, that. We've got to have something new. There's so many different ways you could you could, you could explore that journey too. Like, like do um, you know? Uh, I'm trying to think of a word, but I can't think of a word. But like. Uh, redemp- redempted zombies? Yeah, rede- yeah redeemed zombies. Redeemed yeah, zombies. Yeah. Like, do they still have, like, a thirst for flesh that they're trying to, like, overcome? Um, is their, like, way of thinking and personality different? Is their behavior different? All this kind of stuff. Mm. Um, you mentioned the thing of, like, taking medicine to, like, stop the thing coming back. I think Dead Rising, which is another zombie video game, yeah, has a plot point where plot point the, the main character is trying to get this medicine for his daughter because she's been infected, but as long as she can keep taking the medicine, she won't turn. Yeah. Now that you mention it, there was that TV show that lasted quite a while that uh, I think was like a CBS sitcom or something called iZombie. Yeah. I haven't watched it, but I've heard a lot of good things about it's, it. It's quite funny. I only ever watched about a season's worth, but it kept going for ages, so it must have, it must have got, got That's better got, popular. Um, one of the actors who's in Midnight Mass, Rahul oh, something. Oh, he's great. He's in yeah. iZombie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, um, okay, so in it, I think he's not a zombie, but he works with the main character who is. But as long as she can, eats brains regularly, she like stays What's his, relatively he, human. He's like a mortician in the show, isn't he? Yeah. So he yeah, has he access the to, the, to the bodies. So he's, he's helping supply the, the brains, right? And it, they turned it on its head in a really interesting way because, okay, yeah, um, that could have gone very Dexter and she becomes like a serial killer who has to kill people and eat their brains to, to become to stay normal, right? Doing doing the wrong thing for the right reasons, blah, 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 blah. But instead, um, we get a, a series in which she's helping to solve crimes because when she eats the brains, she gets some of that person's memories and then they can solve who murdered them. I didn't even know that was what the show was about. Yeah, That's it's awesome. a crime procedural in which the main character happens to be a zombie. It's kind of like uh, they did this with Santa Clarita Diet. Where it's That's like, another one I need to watch. Yeah, we're like, okay, they're zombies, but they're not brain-dead, lumbering, mindless creatures. They're real people who have now got this very strange medical problem 
that can only be solved with the consumption of human flesh. And I'm like, that to me is interesting. As in, and you follow them like, the, like the, they're just as human as they are. Yeah. They're using their intelligence and their wits and their tools yeah. to hide, yeah. for like a better term, but still keep eating. Maybe we're seeing the the evolution of the zombie into something more akin to a vampire, where they pass for people and they're luring people to their death and things like that. I think, I think it's a good take on it personally because it's still quite monstrous and it still leads you into the... Other people are the real monsters. You could go into a whole in a much more fascinating way. <laughs> you could go into a whole thing there too, being like, if that's a case of like you know, uh, living aware zombies, similar to vampires, being like, where does that boundary actually stop? Mm. Um, but then also uh, the whole like, you could have um, a story element in that universe where like maybe calling them a zombie is an insult. I think that was actually a plot point from that British show. Uh, was that re- there was like there was like um, not not racist necessarily, but like I don't know what you would call it, livingist. Yeah, uh, or, or like a zombie becomes a slur. And they, yeah, like yeah, yeah, calling someone zombies a slur, and it was the idea of like people were people weren't racist; they were they were livingist. They were like yeah. discriminating against the unliving, and calling them undead was like really offensive. They were just living challenged or something like that. <laughs> it was quite a good plot point. It was quite funny, but I, I do think it's, you know there's there's clearly room for zombies to exist in media and be explored continually like i don't think we're tired of them just yet or if we are we're not tired of ways to explore them mm. we're just tired of like traditional zombies well because it, it kind of it lends itself as a good archetype to be explored in many different ways mm. which we're clearly seeing with all these different examples yeah um whereas i don't know for me um i i quite enjoyed back for blood but it, it's not the story isn't super great it's, it's it, not it's, it's not, not there to teach you something yeah like in terms of like uh stuff to talk about from back for blood in relation to zombies and and that we're drawing from the plot but it's actually very little there back for blood is just this is a game of zombies but this is a game you play for it being a game yeah i wonder if that's a beat they missed because there is something to that but i really like the way they do the parasitic zombies too and like all the oh, they're really well done all yeah. the all the creature designs and like the characters and models yeah. and like and uh all like the posters and graffiti up around surrounding it is all really interesting it's definitely a lot of fun and it's interesting but but there is something lacking in the 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 idea of like uh, like survivors or other people of the real horror that like zombies aren't actually the real terror here this game is very much about like no zombies are the terror You've killed all the zombies, all the zombies are going to kill you. Yeah. And that, that it, it, like, for me, I'm like, I don't know if it misses a beat where I'm kind of like, it's a very fun game, but I don't know if it's a very good zombie game. Well, I mean... Which sounds weird to say, because, like, holding it up, you're like, no, but it's 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 zombie game, and it's very good, therefore it must be a very good zombie game. I could also think of a way you can uh, kind of do the whole, like, it's not the zombies we're worried about as people, but this is me doing, like, bullshit game theory right now. <laughs> Because, That's my favorite because it's a four-player online co-op game. Mm-hmm. If you're not, if you don't have like three friends that you always play with, and you're just like matching online with strangers, then there's that thing of like trying to coordinate with strangers and them just hoarding ammo and not helping out and just being really shit that to play with. That is true. That is true. And then they become a bigger threat than the actual zombies you're fighting against. That's true. It sort of lends itself to cooperation, but you don't have to play it that way. Yeah, and and that's also like that only comes about in a very specific circumstance. That's true. On the player's side, the game isn't inherently presenting that. Mm. But you know, I can do bullshit game theory about anything. I mean, that's that's the best part though, isn't it? I mean, I like doing that with films, but it's it's. I I do think for for this one, looking at it, I'm like, it feels like it's about zombies. It's got the right uh, hallmarks. Everything about it is yeah, yeah. That's that's zombie media. It lives very easily in the zombie media stadium, right? Yeah. 
the, the, the pantheon of zombie material, but it's not very high up. You know, if something like Night of the Living Dead is like super high pinnacle zombie material where we're like, wow, both historically and for what it did at the time and for how it was executed, like it's very high up, right? I mean, it's not necessarily the best zombie media of all time, but God, it's 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 top 10. Right? I can I can see like when the time it came out, like why people would have said it's really controversial. Yeah. Um, another thing that actually uh, surprised me watching that movie, and I don't think this is specific to Night of the Dead. I think it's more specific to just like, movies that came out in that time mm. period was how much of like a orchestral piece it was. Mm. And there's, there's so many moments in the, in the film where like scenes are playing out, things are happening and you're not hearing any dialogue or even like any diegetic sound mm. really, but you're just getting like the orchestra music playing, backing like the intensity and the drama of what's mm. going on. And it did have uh, quite a few moments of the, the, the traditional fifties and sixties sci-fi noise that, ooh, yeah. Kind of sound, and I thought that was interesting because you don't you don't see that in zombie films. No, most you don't. zombie films either go with like some sort of you know rock and roll, heavy metal, da 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 da. This is very scary type music. You, you know, like uh, Zombieland opens yeah. with Metallica playing. Yeah, or you get um, the you know the the even more traditional shrieky type yeah da da type stuff, and you're like, oh my god, it's scary! Whoa. Whereas this had almost um, oogie boogie vibes. It was ooh, something's I, coming. I kind of loved it though. Like that, like there's that style, I suppose, of like old, more more specifically sci-fi movies mm. from like the fifties and sixties. I mean horror as well, but like e- even like when you look at the trend of like the titles for movies, you have Night of the Living Dead. You have uh, attacks from Mars. Yeah. You have um, uh, invasion of the body snatchers. You have the blob. Yeah, like all all this stuff, and then like all like the really cool um, old posters, and like that's that, and all of them feel like uh, like stage plays presented to you with the musical backing, and then you're going through all of it, and like that yeah. that in itself is a really interesting style, I think, and I got quite a bit of that from Night of the Living Dead. Mm. It's a different type of of presentation for sure. Yeah, we don't see that very often. I mean, yeah, some recent stuff. You got <coughs> Army of the Dead. Did have that very cool intro sequence, but I think that might just be a Zack Snyder uh, director's calling card at this point. What, what was the intro sequence again? Oh, uh, it? it's the it plays a song. I can't remember what it was, but it's a very funky song. And then it, you're watching the zombie outbreak happen. Oh, know? it's all in slow motion, right? It's all in slow motion. Yeah. It's a Zack Snyder thing. It's what he does, right? And it's not shitting on that. I enjoy it. It's fun. I really like. I mean, it. Zombieland does that as well. Zombieland so. does it too. And I'm pretty sure that wasn't Zack Snyder. I no. can't remember who it was though. But but it, it is it is that interesting thing of the presentation matters yes. and the way that it's you know if one is more uh, theatrical for lack of a better term right it's very stage crafty uh, and it feels very operatic yeah whereas the modern ones feel way more rock and roll you know than they do opera. Well, that, I was like um, with uh, Back for Blood in particular. There's mm. that uh, bit in the first chapter where you're defending the bar and you're doing oh, the jukebox. It's yeah. probably my favorite bit in the entire game. The jukebox thing was so good. Man, and I rocked out hard to that. That was great. And you turn on the jukebox and like, it's a different song that plays each time. The first time I got it, I got Tick, Dick, Broom. And then I got like Wall Black Betty and I got like Ace of Spades. And, and, yeah. and the game is basically like, you're sitting here defending for six minutes, killing as many zombies as you can while just music plays. Yeah. And it feels amazing. 
And I, I remember doing it and living out. I said I was living out my dreams of being an axe murderer. Yeah. It just sounded such a weird thing to say out loud, but it's like, no, I'm thoroughly enjoying running around this building using this axe to kill zombies. It's, it's, it's awesome. I'm actually really enjoying this. Great moment. It got me thinking too, like that specific bit about like, we mentioned this in a previous podcast episode about music rights in games. Mm. Um, the publisher for Back for Blood is Warner Brothers. So Warner Brothers has these music labels that they have already. So all the music that's used in the game they wouldn't yeah. have had to sign any specific like time uh, license. Yeah, they fee. could use it in perpetuity. Yeah, whereas whereas if an external studio had licensed it, maybe it's only good for five years, four years. Yeah, yeah. there was so there was another thing. So thinking about Back for Blood back in relation to Night of the Living Dead. So Night of the Living Dead has like all the credits and all the thing right at the start. Mm. You have the the title in in like the more like. Um, mm the different font back then. Cause like um, I, I watched the Criterion Blu-ray version mm. and they've done, they've done like a remaster and like different title and stuff like that. But they have it all right at the very start. Whereas Back for Blood is more of like a more modern way of doing it. Whereas like you start the game, you have the opening cinematic and like video mm. of the characters and setting things up. Then you do like the first chapter. And then after the first chapter, you have the intro card saying Back for Blood after, after you've played for like an hour. Yeah, it's a really good point. Yeah. You almost see that... Um the cold open style that we're seeing more and more of in TV mm. is, is leaking into other mediums. And you're seeing that with video games a fair bit. And I, I think I remember it f- happening from, um, must've been the last of us part two has a similar thing happen where like the title of the game doesn't show up until you're like 40 minutes into the game, you know? And it's like, I knew what I was playing. It didn't really, but it, it almost felt weird at that point to be like, by the way, that was just the beginning, and now you're playing. That is th- that is what it feels like a strong yeah. era because like you you'd expect to get the title right at the start. So when you get the title an hour in, the game is almost telling you like, and that was just the first of it. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think I remember that being uh, Assassin's Creed, and it must have been the fourth one was the first time that had happened to me that I remember distinctly because hmm. I was playing and I'm playing as this like pirate dude and it, you're playing and you're running around you're like this is really cool. It's the very first mission and it goes for like five six minutes or maybe like ten minutes. But then you finish it and you get this big sweeping cinematic that's like, hey, you did it. It's Assassin's Creed. It's the new one. You're here. And I was like, whoa. It was really impressive. And I was like, god damn, all the credits rolled. Like, really cool. Now, when I see it, I'm jaded. It does it now, 20 minutes into a game. And I'm like, I know. I'm aware of Yeah, <laughs> That's thanks. why I'm here. Yeah. Like, we didn't need the 20-minute play to then for you to take me out of the game for 40 seconds while you play me a video. Well, so I wanted to ask a thing too. So, because... Uh, out of curiosity, I looked up what other movies came out the same year as Night of the Living Dead. And 2001, A Space Odyssey came out the same year. Oh, damn. Um, I was thinking about it because like, Night of the Living Dead is also like fairly slow-paced. and mm. uh, I think a lot of movies are, like from that time period are just like slower than we expect from things that come out now. To the point, too, where like, now when you're looking at, at mm. movies and games, and, not, and like, even just like... YouTube videos and ads. Oh, it's mobile phones have ruined all it's the ba- attention like, spans and TikToks yeah. bloody ruining the youth and oh yeah, yeah. The whole the whole idea that like no one has an attention span anymore. So you're mm. gonna hook them in within the first ten seconds. Oh, so it's brutal. That way you're not you're not gonna spend the first ten minutes of the film doing all the credits and like yeah. and like setting up the exposition mm-hmm. exposition. You're gonna be right in the films like, all right, here's the first zombie attack. Don't worry, we'll get to the characters later. Here's the action first. Mm. Um, you know the title card. We're not going to worry about that right now. We'll do that after we've already grabbed you. Yeah, it, it's we, I, want, we want to make sure you're not getting out of your seat first. Yeah, I, I'm not necessarily saying it's a bad thing. It's it's more just interesting looking at like that's where the the trend is leaned towards mm. now, um, and I don't think it's going to be going away anytime soon. No, I don't think so. 
it's always been uh, a favorite of mine because uh, I have ADHD. Yeah. And so uh, when, when I'm not heavily medicated, uh, I do have a very short attention span. And it's awesome for me uh, if I'm watching something, if it grabs me, I will immediately hyper-focus on it and be like, well, I'm not doing anything else for the next two hours. Yeah. So if, if a film does it well, I am absolutely the target audience for that. And I, like, I am now hooked. With 2001 as well for that example. Because like I've... Uh, I've watched it. I watched like a 35 millimeter print at a local theater, yeah. which is awesome. But and I've talked to friends about it, and a few of my friends who also have ADHD said like they've sat down that movie like three, four times yeah. and haven't been able to finish it. It's very hard. That and that uh, movie in Shining. Particular. Oh man, I, I took so long to watch The Shining. I love The Shining. It's anything like that that's that's got that really slow pacing. It's super difficult for someone like me to get into it but once once it's working and you're hooked it's amazing can't, oh, okay. can't take yourself I've got I've got a newer one if you've seen it you may not have um, but have you seen I'm Thinking of Ending Things on Netflix no I haven't it's on my list and I, I, I haven't watched it for that exact reason it's yeah. very slow yeah. it's really good and it's really well done but it, like it is quite slow paced yeah I remember seeing the I must have seen the trailer and it would have been like yeah on Netflix or something I was cruising through it and I was like damn this looks really good I'm gonna enjoy that and I think I must have started playing it and be like nope not today no chance yeah. and it's just that thing of knowing that like if this I mean, doesn't grab me, me very quickly, I'm I'm going to be on my phone whether I want to be or not. My brain will switch off. Even me, like I don't have ADHD. I had to watch that film in two sittings. Like it's, I yeah, had to hard. break it up. You know what's interesting though? It doesn't have to be like super shocking to grab me. It's just, it's something about being interesting, you know? Because I, I don't have it with every film. It's certain things like, uh, I think Event Horizon has a quite slow start. I haven't watched but it that was movie just in ages, a subject matter. Yeah. I was like, I'm in. This is sick. Let's do it. Well, because the subject matter of that movie is very intense. Yeah. So maybe like it's not necessarily the pacing, but it's the intensity. It's the intensity. It's got to. You've got to hit me with some uh, some high intensity quickly. You know, e- even to that, um, it happens with a few video games too. If I if I start a game and the first twenty minutes is like, here's how to jump and here's how to push mm-hmm. this button, I'm like, I'm out. I don't care. I know how to do all this. If I can't skip the tutorial. There's a good chance I'm not going to play. Or if they don't, or like if they can't streamline it in some way. Yeah, exactly. Often, if it's put into gameplay, I love it. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's some good examples of that throughout time, really. But Halo, um, Halo is a good one for that. Halo's like, a great one because it's like it's, it's built part into of the, the story. Yeah. You're, yeah. you're going to have to do. You know, is your look inverted? Here's how you crouch. All that. And sort when of you stuff. play on like the harder difficulties, it just doesn't bother. It doesn't bother. Yeah. I think that's probably a great way to do it. And um, you know, I'm curious to see how things like that are going to be able to evolve with all these new, and this is, I'm just pointing the finger at Ubisoft because I can, but a lot of Ubisoft's recent games are that same open world mechanic of go here, unlock thing, go to new territory, kill more people, unlock thing, blah, 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 right? And they always have this weird tutorial mission to get you into that world. And I'm getting to the point of I kind of hate it because I'm like, I know I'm going to have to play 10 minutes of some linear tutorial-ish whatever before it will let me get to the big open world I want to play in the sandbox and type like, place. kind of lets you unlock to do whatever you want right yeah. and so I'm like Ugh, I, I have to force myself to play through that first 30 minutes think, um, to get to the good bits for me ugh, that's like having to eat the banana peel instead of just peeling it off it's really frustrating yeah I think another game and the only one that stood out for me in terms of that that did it well was Fallout 3 
Yeah. Because Fallout at the start of Fallout Three, like you're in the vault and like you're going through like all this all the story and uprising that's happening in the vault and through that is like you progressively you find your first pistol, you find your first stim pack, uh, you go through your first dialogue system, yeah. but it's all part of like progression to what's happening. And then as soon as you leave the vault, it's the entire open world and you can go wherever you want and do whatever yeah. you want. And just that moment was like so satisfying. Yeah. And it's, it is that thing we're seeing. We're seeing it happen more and more. And like, I, I shouldn't point the finger at yourself. It's not just Ubisoft. The new Halo, for example, is going to be an open world Halo. Yeah, watch the trailer betcha, for that. It looks very different. I'll betcha there's a five minute long tutorial sequence of you getting onto the ring in the first place. And I'll betcha it's exactly like something out of Halo 1 or Halo 3 or Halo 4 or Halo 5. They've all done it where you have to learn how to crouch again and how to blah, blah, blah. And at, at this point, you're like, dude, this is the sixth, seventh Halo game if you count ODST. Come on, guys. We know. We know how to play. And the idea of like, well, what about new players? We can't alienate them. What if we radically change the control scheme? First of all, I don't believe you did. I don't believe you would have messed <laughs> with the radical control scheme of, of Halo. But with, for new players, have an option to turn on a tutorial and let them play it. That's um. That's actually another interesting point to think about, like... Uh, like both of movies and games in terms of like trying to attract a new young fresh audience mm. with something that's already quite well established and I can think of like Doctor Who as an example here mm. it's like you know most of the people who've grown up watching Doctor Who are adults now mm. um, a lot of what they're trying to do is like for new like children friendly yeah. horror and sci-fi and like and like really just like kind of ignoring what the established fans like and what the hardcore fans really love about the show to the point of like we're not going to cater this towards you because we want more of like the mainstream appeal. Yeah, which uh, which acts against them. Yeah, for me, I'm very in the uh, the Porkinolos dose t- side of things where I'm like, we should be able to have both, right? Yeah, Doctor Who nearly managed it. They were like, oh my god, they were a gnat's friggin' testicles width away from getting this done. They had the main show was was getting darker and darker. Yep, they had the Torchwood spinoff, which just went hell for leather for being weird, dark. Very sinister, quirky, whatever. And then there was the there the, was the young adult one. There was the Jane K nine one, which was very much like that was like that was family like friendly, family friendly, right? And yeah. then so they had this recent spinoff for young adults, and it was like a high school kids thing, and they like got introduced to to these aliens and blah blah blah. And I don't even think it lasted a season. It lasted like five episodes or something, and it was so bad. And I was like, <laughs> if this if this is your interpretation of Doctor Who, but for teenagers. You have vastly misunderstood both teenagers and Doctor Who. I have another example of this, which yeah. actually ties it specifically more to zombies. <laughs> just want to be clear, I'm not shitting on any of the team who made that. Big Doctor Who fan over here. But it wasn't great, guys. Oh, keen for Russell T. Davies coming back. Yes. Anyway, um, yeah, go. anyway The Walking Dead, right? Yeah. So that uh, movie, uh, that movie, that series, original show writer, Frank Darabont, who's the guy who did The Shawshank Redemption, who did The Mist 2007 yeah. movie, which one of my favourite movies of all time. Oh, hell yeah. Um, so he was on The Walking Dead originally as like the main showrunner. And if you watch the first season compared to any other season you can of tell, Walking right? Dead, yeah. it's very different. Yeah. Um, and you can see that he's, his idea of zombies actually kind of ties more back into Night of the Living Dead, yeah, wow. where they have more of like that intelligence and yeah. like kind of like subconscious awareness of like their past lives because like you know there's the little girl zombie in the first episode that reaches down and picks yeah, up the teddy bear yeah, true um and there's there's ways that like the zombies kind of like a smarter and uh use tools but also like when they're idle and there's nothing happening and they kind of like, just go back idle into like what that mm. person was doing before they became a zombie like there's the zombies that are just like sitting on a bus not doing anything yeah um and then later on uh amc fired frank darabont 
uh, brought on a new showrunner. I forget his name. Um, and then the show just got progressively worse and worse. Yeah. Um, and it was so far removed. They've, they've had two spin-offs now, and I don't think any of them are working that well. Yeah. The show, is, the show is so far removed from what the original concept is and also so far removed from the, the graphic novels as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, where, and so, like, the idea of zombies in that show, like, the zombies themselves have changed and become dumbed down and, yeah. again, for lack of a better term, flanderized. I should, I should probably yeah. also point out what I mean by flanderized. Yeah, go on. People explain, don't. explain flanderization. So flanderization is, um, it stems specifically from The Simpsons where like a character or thing has been going on for so long that it becomes a characterization and, and stereotype of itself. So Ned Flanders from The Simpsons and Homer Simpson. Homer Simpson's probably a more accurate one to describe because at the start of the show, he's very much like a smart, intelligent man, like well-meaning, mm-hmm. But like bad stuff and dumb shit just constantly happens. Whereas now in the later Simpsons, he has an IQ of nothing, and like like his portrayed is very much like yeah. the dumbest of dumb people. Where and, and like and just the way that like that evolved over time. Yeah, it's almost almost how I could describe it as like JPEGing itself again and oh, again yeah. and again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Becoming a, a lossy artifact for sure. And so like the way like zombies is done in The Walking Dead. Mm. Um, kind of reminds me of that too when we were talking earlier about like zombies just changing over time that isn't flanderization that's just how they evolve and, and branch out in different ways in a way we've sort of seen the the anti-flanderization uh of of the zombie genre in a way like it, it did fold in on itself for a little while there mm. and it became almost like the idea of zombies became such a parody that we ended up with a film like Shaun of the dead where you could be like yes the idea of a zombie apocalypse is indeed laughable Let's make a funny movie about it. But it's sort of had a resurgence and it's like, okay, well, now that we've understood, now that we've had a full deconstruction of what a zombie is and what a zombie film is or a zombie game, now we, now that we've had that deconstruction, we can go the other direction now. Yeah, it's gone like forward and back and now like forward yeah. even more again. You're starting to see things like, yeah, The Last of Us and all these like really heralded stuff, you know, Resident Evil uh, 4 or 7 rather, and to a certain extent 8, although there are less zombies in 8. Um, but it has this idea of like we 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 understand enough about this now we we we've torn it apart we know how it works we can put it back together better. That's a really interesting idea too. Like like not necessarily zombies, but you take any specific idea and over time and over like so many different people doing their own version of it, where it trends. Yeah. So the idea of like you know zombies becoming uh, a joke in their own thing, parodied, but then like now we have that like much larger understanding we can mm. take in a new directions be like okay what about recovering zombies what about like the zombie apocalypse has come and gone what's the world look, af- look like after that mm. taking that way of thinking into something else so maybe like you know I mean I'm on the trend of apocalypse thinking now but like what if there was a climate disaster and now we're setting something like a hundred years after that happened um, what if there's a government coup and like, you know, our, our form of society collapses. Mm. What emerges out of that? But then beyond that, like what happens 500 years from now? Is there an entirely new uh, mm. form of government? I mean, we're seeing some of that stuff happen. Mm. Um, there's a new show, which hilariously has already been canceled even before it's finished its first season. <sighs> but the so TV, they don't even give it a chance at that point. Give it a chance, but you know what? It didn't, it doesn't deserve to keep going. It's it's the TV adaptation of Why the Last Man. Now, full, full I saw the trailer for that, and I don't know the original material, but it looked really cool. So, full disclosure, I love those comics, right? Really big fan of Why the Last Man. I've been following this TV show since it first originated 
as a concept like 10 years ago or something. Like this thing's been in development hell for a long, long time. At one point, Shia LaBeouf was tapped to play Yorick. Like there was, it's, oh, wow. it's been in the hands of a lot of people, right? It's finally gotten made and it's meant to be, uh, I, you know, it's so funny. I don't even remember which network is bloody making it at this point. Someone's, some streaming service has made this thing. It's a reasonable size budget and it's not good. It's not good on a lot of levels where the source material is so excellent, but it hasn't aged super great. Mm. And so they've made some changes to it to try to modernize it, right? Bring it into more, more of a modern lens. And a lot of that involves uh, identity politics, right? And the thing is the comic does deal with that a little bit, but not heaps. The show is all about that. And I'm kind of like, okay, I get it. But what you've actually done is you've missed the premise of the original comics and now you're making a different show. And by by calling it Why the Last Man and by trying to steer it in the direction of the comics, you've lost the fans of the comics who, yeah. who don't want to see it. It's not very good. And you've sort of shoehorned yourself into telling a type of story that you don't actually want to tell. And that's not making for great TV. So it actually got cancelled already. My understanding is that the showrunner has pulled the plug manually. So she's actually said, I don't want to keep running it with this network. I, I want to shop it around. Yeah, right. And so I think it might have been Hulu has paid for this season or something like that. And she's shopping it around now to find somebody else. And, and the argument goes, maybe it needs more money. Maybe it needs more time. Maybe it needs a different creative team. Needs a different creative team. Like maybe it needs a lot of things because the source material is unarguably quite good. Right? And even if it didn't age that well, it, it is absolutely salvageable. Yeah. This is not like complete garbage. It ha- it's not full of like racism, sexism, whatever, like none of that, right? It's, it's good and it is salvageable for sure. And you could do it through a modern lens, but I, I, it just feels like what they've ended up with was like, right, you're going to have half the budget that you want, half the time that you want, and you still have to give us 10 episodes. And they went, oh, yeah, we'll set almost 60% of the show in a single location with like six characters. And you're like, yeah, that as a producer, that's exactly how I would solve that problem. Yeah. Absolutely. But God, it's really hard to stretch that over a ten episode series when you realize it's that it's hard to stretch what, that over one movie. Exactly. When they're when they're looking at that one scene with those six characters in the comics, that whole sequence is maybe four to five issues. And but they've stretched this thing out into a whole season. It's madness. So I'm like looking at this guy, okay. That's an example of something where the apocalypse happens in the first, I think it's the first. 30 minutes of the first episode, right? Mm. Big apocalypse. No spoilers for this one because it is brand new and it's still airing. I don't want to ruin anybody's day, right? But there's a big apocalypse. Surprise. It's in the trailers. You get it, right? And of course, it's in the name. Why? The last man. There's one guy, Yorick. He's the last man. Last man on earth, apparently, right? Like the other TV show called The Last Man on Earth. Called literally The Last Man on Earth. So why The Last Man is is meant to be about Yorick's journey and what happens to him when the world ends and he's the only man left alive. What does that do, Right. Really fascinating stuff. Is he like actually literally the only man? I will man? not spoil it for you, but <laughs> certainly from his perspective, during at least the first half of the comic series, okay, one hundred percent, you are you are well, meant to be like he is the only dude. I mean that sure. that is in itself a really interesting premise, right? Which is why I very much encourage people to go and read the comics. There is some modern stuff that is problematic, right? There's not much trans representation in the comic, and obviously when we think about the last man. And obviously, it's, it's in the name. When they talk about Y, the last man, it's the letter Y, as in Y chromosome, mm. right? So in the comics and in the TV show, this is the apocalypse, I'll tell you, um, every mammal with a Y chromosome drops dead, right? All of them. Oh, okay. Interesting. It's very interesting. 
and this causes problems, of course, because in our modern understanding of gender identity and gender politics, we we know that not not all men have a Y chromosome. Yeah. Right. And so this this causes what what should be considered minor chaos, and in the comics is handled with almost I think it's like half an issue covers this off and goes, oh yeah, that's happening. Like what happens to the trans men? Well, in the comics, they're getting hunted. People people are mad about the surviving faux men and are hunting them down. Right. In the TV show. There's a whole thing where somebody goes, oh, well, there are still trans men. Then why does Yorick have to hide his face? Yeah. Like, like if there's, if we're just accepting that. Well, so in the TV show, you're saying there's trans men and like they're accepted among the community. I'm not going to say they're accepted, but certainly there are trans men in the TV show that play a major role. Yeah, okay. And it, it's sort of strange to look at it that way and go, okay, they, they were updating it because our modern understanding of these politics have changed. But you've now created a massive plot hole and a huge story problem that you haven't solved. Now, again, this is me like shitting on the creative team. Please don't. One day I want to work with you. You do great work, right? But this is clearly a problem that could have been solved with more time and money, right? Because that's, that's a story issue. You could fix that in pre-production. That's a writing issue. Yeah. We, we know we're going to have to create this new problem to modernize this concept, right? What are we going to do about it? You can't just not address it. You can't just be like, we'll get to it in season two. No. It's a huge plot issue. You got to deal with like that. Like it's front. a huge underlying plot issue that like need, needs issue. to be like not just acknowledged in one sense, but needs to be an ongoing yeah. presence. What the, the point I'm trying to make about all this, and we might have to edit some of this out, but the point I'm trying to make about this is that you you can explore these concepts. You can go, okay, it's the end of the world, the end of what happened. We're we're up for these sort of stories, but you have to be doing something interesting with it. Yeah, like it can't just be the end of the world. It can't just be like, oh, we're going to do a TV show where the world ends. We know. We've seen that movie yeah. a dozen times. Like, we know, right? We, there was, I think when, when the pandemic first hit, my wife and I went on like a, an apocalypse movie binge and watched a whole bunch of them. And we realized like there's so many of these films. Yeah. Like, it's a wonder that we haven't ended the world just to see what would actually happen at this point. I watched um, Utopia on Amazon Prime. So there's, there's the original season and then there's a new one that got made with... Um, uh, I, f- I forget the main actor's name, but like, there's quite a, a big A-list actor mm. in it as well, and it is quite literally like about a pandemic that's killing the world, and yeah. it came out right in the height of COVID. Also cancelled. So, oh, I was the, really hoping for another season of that. I really enjoyed it. it. Well, it might stop, and it might get saved by somebody else. But the problem with that one is it was an Amazon original, right? So that's yeah. an Amazon show where they have bought the rights to the British show yep. and then remade it as an American show. So you may end up with another adaptation. Sure. You might okay. get another country make a new version, but the British one is finished. Yeah, it was it um, finished its story, and the American one not not continuing. It was interesting though, like that coming out in the height of the pandemic. Yeah, good timing and for it. I, yeah, honestly, I watched it and I just binged it and I loved it. You know what? Actually, this is a really good point. This it might just be that the world has to be in the right frame of mind, and right at the beginning of the pandemic was perfect. Maybe if Why the Last Man had come out last year. It would have had yeah. much better legs. There's, People um, would have loved it. There's also that, that series that came out recently on Netflix. I'm forgetting the name of it. Robert Downey Jr. is a producer. It's, it's good. The little kid with the deer. Um, oh, Sweet Tooth. Sweet Tooth. Also yeah. a fantastic it's series. It's really good. And it has been greenlit for a new season. Yeah, yeah. That one's coming back. That one's really well done. And again, maybe this is the thing. We're, we're okay with this like apocalypse media, right? And the world. Yeah, that's great. But, but why? What are you doing with it? If you're gonna give me a zombie apocalypse now, if you if there's any creative writers out there thinking, right, I'm listening to this because I need the inside goss, I gotta do a zombie movie. Number one, Bennett, werewolves. Werewolves is the next big thing. But hmm. if you're sticking with zombies, we're gonna get the um the uh we're not sw- where werewolves not swearwolves. Yeah, thing I'm really keen for yeah. that. 
if if you're gonna if you're gonna stick with zombies for whatever reason, you have to do something more interesting with it. You you can't do a classic zombie film, right? So even Army of the Dead is really a heist movie that has zombies in it. Well, you know what too is so like any any kinds of of these types of movies. So you look at Night of the Living Dead as well, being like. Um, like the time it came out the actual like horror element for most of the audience in that time setting in that context was the people in the movie and their racial uh, undertones yeah. that ended up coming through the movie regardless if that was George Romero's exactly. intention yeah, yeah. Um, there's also another uh, so now we're looking at Pandemic and we're looking at like all these apocalypse movies but it can't just be like a hopeless apocalypse it has mm. to be something else there's also when you think about these kinds of movies in relation to 9-11 when that happened a lot of movies before 9-11 was very much like the threat is otherworldly or supernatural mm. or like blah, blah, blah. After 9-11 happened, a lot more of the trend of what was coming out was like the threat is inside the house. Mm. It's at our doorstep. Like the threat is already here and we don't know it. Um, yeah, true, true. So true. A, lot, a lot of this stuff like all the time is mirroring mm. like the cultural zeitgeist, I suppose, for like a better term. Like, mm. um, but yeah, it's like, so Army of the Dead now, it's coming out like, I mean, they came out during the pandemic already knowing what a zombie is. Mm. Um, it's a fun escape movie because it's just kind of like, it's a high high action, like we're going to shoot zombies, we're going to um, do this heist in this specific area. Mm. Um, Back for Blood as well is a kind of like escape game where you just like, like it's going to become my go-to game now if I just want to shoot things. Maybe that's it. Maybe the safest way to approach zombie media at this point is unless you have a legitimately unique take, it needs to be escapist. You need to just crank it up to eleven. Because, like, if they, if you were to give me, or have the, the human 20, element, if you ha- if you were to do twenty eight months later, right? Which God, I hope that's in, produ- in development somewhere. But if you were to do the the threequel twenty eight months later, it could not be a standard continuation of twenty eight weeks later. No, and it can't be the same characters. It can't be the same characters. It has to be something interesting that only works in that universe, right? And that's that's because it's been twenty eight months. The apocalypse happened. Where is everybody at now? What's that going would, on? Um, that would also have to be like as a third entry into that series, but also like quite late after the one. After yeah, the exactly. Yeah, it yeah. has to be a fresh entry where people don't have to have seen the previous two movies. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but people can be familiar with zombie apocalypses, so they don't need to have seen those past two movies yeah, to understand the context now. of what's happening. Exactly, yeah. So well, that's the thing. If you're going to do it uh, and it's not necessarily a unique take... Then yeah, crank it to eleven, make it an escapist, whatever, and don't hold my hand. Don't be like, these are zombies. Here's what's going on. Like, we know, we get it. You can just throw something really bizarre at me and be like, oh, by the way, they're zombies, and I'm gonna be like, yep, I get it. That's cool. What do you think about like um hmm? Actually, I'm not really sure what I'm asking here, so I might edit it out. But like apocalypse movies are like we're well into the apocalypse, and you think of like uh, Mad Max Fury Road, for example. Where it's like it's well in, and like what's what's the core themes that come out of that movie? Like it's high-paced action. That's the main thing. But then it's also like it's the hope and the survivability aspect of like overthrowing the government and bringing um, sustainability and hope to everyone else, and like the human element, I suppose. I may be overreaching specifically with Mad Max, but like you could think about that in terms of zombie movies and like rom-com zombies. Uh, yeah, thinking like, okay, so maybe the focus here isn't the apocalypse and whatever happens there, but maybe the focus here is like the more intimate setting with these characters, mm. like inside this larger thing that's happening. Yeah, I mean that that seems to be the best way to do it. Mm. Um, I, I would be interested. I, I don't know what's happening with the Mad Max uh, pre sequel, 
uh, Furiosa, but it's coming. It's coming. And I have a feeling it might be something similar where it's like, we're going to focus on one character in one situation within that universe. So they're, they're exploring the same thematics without having to be like, this is a Mad Max film. We can do other stuff with it. Yeah, like it's no longer like the wandering traveller just yeah. like finding out what's happening with these other different yeah. um, societies. Which could be really interesting. That maybe, maybe that's the way forward with that sort of thing. Maybe, maybe that's it. We're watching, you know, Back for Blood is clearly a zombie game in the great lineage of everything that's come after Night of the Living Dead, but it's going in its own direction. It's doing its own... It's, it's just as pure escapist. It's pure fun. And there's room for that. We can do that. And it still makes it like... Not necessarily an adaptation, but it's an homage. It lives in the same, it lives in the same city, yeah. but it's not the same house at all. I mean, you know, it would be interesting too. Is like seeing a direct sequel to Night of the Living Dead. I wonder. I wonder if anyone's tried that. I wonder if like there's a, maybe there's some little known films that are like spiritual sequels that that, that riff off the same stuff. I, I don't know of any off the top of my head, and that just might be us not doing a great deal of research before these podcasts, but. I mean, I, yeah. I, I, yeah, I feel like it'd be interesting to to look at if I was going to do one now. All the time that's passed, all the zombie media that's happened in the meantime, what do I what do I pick and choose? What do I take in order to do a literal sequel? Or, in the vein of the podcast, really, if I was going to do that as a video game, hmm. what would I want to take from that film to bring into a into a video game world? What you know, is it really the same thematics? Am I still doing? Uh, alien Venus space radiation or am I just skipping that and be like look we, we, it doesn't matter it doesn't matter where the zombies came I mean, from it's just like if you want to take like Night of the Living Dead and specifically like adapt that into like a video game all that is is a survival chapter where you're just defending the house for as long as you can mm. um, which can be fun but it's also not a lot there to actually turn into mm. a large game um, I, I mean how many movies has George Romero done now that's like zombie related oh, I couldn't tell you there'd be Probably half a dozen, maybe more. But like, you would you, arguably you wouldn't really like set them all in the same universe, would you? Because they're all like different. Oh, I think a lot of them are. Yeah. Let me check. Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna look it up right now. Because it's the, it's I suppose it's also the idea of like uh, like I know this is a thing with Tarantino's movies where they're all like set in the same world, mm. um, whether it's spiritually or literally or what have you. But like may, maybe Romero does a similar thing. This is great. Somebody somebody has made. A, uh, an IMDb list, a public list, just called George Romero's Zombie Films in Chronological Order. You legend. So let's figure it out. Yeah, Another Living Dead, right? And then you got you got the unofficial sequel, which is the the one that does get remade quite a bit, is Dawn of the Dead, right? So, so Dawn of the Dead. So is, Romero did that as well. Yeah. Okay. So he did the original Dawn of the Dead, but that's that's ten years later. So, so seventy eight. A decade passes, and he does Dawn of the Dead, right? And Dawn okay. of the Dead is where we we unarguably see our first modern zombie film. And like bloody violence, zombie. like bloody violence, tradition, like what we think of as traditional zombies, that's where that comes from. Yeah. So you've got that that could be considered a spiritual sequel to Another Living Dead, but I wouldn't call it a direct sequel. And yet, after that, we have Day of the Dead, Land of the Dead, Diary of the Dead, and then Survival of the Dead. So did he, did he do the Dead Don't Die, or was that someone else? That's somebody else. Uh, Dead Don't Die is uh, Jim Jarmusch, I think. Right, oh, yeah, because it's the whole thing of like his yep. type of work. Yeah. So, what, what was the last one you said, Romero? Did? Survival of the Dead. I'm just checking because I don't think that's a Romero film, but maybe it is, and I'm just wrong. No, it is. It is George Romero. Well, I'll be. That wasn't a great movie. Survival of the Dead. Uh, I haven't even heard of that one. Oh, it's not great. It's not a great movie. I'm actually surprised that's a George Romero film. Sorry, George, <sighs> you missed missed that one. I think. Ooh. 
Um, yeah, mate. There's been a few Dawn of the Deads then, because if there's his one from the 70s, then there's a, also the Zack Snyder one from, from 2004. Yeah. I'm sure there's been another one in there somewhere. Oh, there's there's four or five of those. I won't look them up, but I know I know there's a bunch of those. Um, that one gets done a lot. Yeah, and then, again, it's just like looking at how zombies have been portrayed in, for different methods in video games. Like, I know there's Typing of the Dead, where you have your character on screen and there's zombies coming at you and each zombie has a word and you just have to type the word for the character to shoot them. And it's just a speed typing game, seeing how long you can you can stay um, standing against the zombies. It's like zombies in itself is almost like a canvas for yeah. someone to paint something on rather Ooh. than like the actual pa- uh, painting. We just solved a pigeon. That's it. Zombies <laughs> is a canvas. Is that is that solving what we were trying to solve? I, I don't know, but whatever whatever problem it was, that's the answer. Zombies are the canvas. Zombies are the canvas, much like any kind of like big thing now. This is gonna be so funny because we're both meant to be like film people, right? And not just not just people who like film. We work in film. Mm. We make films. I guarantee you, there are there are a bunch of screenwriters out there screaming at their fucking Spotify right now or whatever, going like. Everyone knows that. Everyone knows that zombies are the canvas. They've always been the canvas. <laughs> you know, it's the human condition, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and I'm just like, I know, but that's not what I meant. I mean, yeah, the zombies are the human condition is always the big tagline, yeah. isn't it? Zombies, zomb- we all know that. My point more was that, you know, if film is the paintbrush and blah, 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 I, I would normally have gone with zombies as a paint or something really metaphorical like that. But the idea of, of zombies also films like as a really canvas, I like that. <laughs> I mean, you like that. It's also like a bullshit buzz term. It is. I, I'm going to pitch that. No joke. I'm stealing that. <laughs> I'm going to have a concept for a zombie-related something, and I'm going to actually. Do you know what? I've, oh, even better. It's going to be a werewolf-related something. Why don't, why, right. don't we, why don't we workshop something right now? What we, are you thinking? Oh, mate, I'm ready. I, yeah, I would. Okay, so it's werewolves, right? And okay. it's 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 uh, Night of the Living Dead. Maybe it's Dawn of the Dead. One of the two. I'm going to go with it's Night of the Living Dead, but it's werewolves, right? So, and so like Night of the Beast or something. Night of the Beast. That's it. It's Night of the Beast. Night of the Beast, man. And we never say werewolf. No one ever says the word werewolf. They're called Beast Man or something like that. The mm. Beast Man, whatever. Or like, or, or like, you know, uh, um, the way it's described is, is going back to like your inherent like caveman. Yeah, uh, exactly. They're, they're becoming primal animals. Yeah, they're kind of reverting in their evolution. Yeah. They, they, they can still use basic tools and open doors, but they are uh, not intelligent. They don't speak anymore, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm into it, right? And then you've got what we're actually uncovering. Ready for it? This is the big one. This is why we're going to get this made. I'm ready. I'm Netflix here. is going to pick this up, right? It's about the class divide. Ah, look at that. It's the class divide on the canvas of the werewolf. Okay. Th- by way of zombies. So... So by way of zombies is in like, this is like come off like talking about zombies. Now we're doing werewolves. Yeah. So if you're doing a class divided werewolves, so the main character, is it one character who becomes a werewolf? No, I think, uh, I think it's, you You know what? I'm just going to steal Night of the Living Dead. It's the same film. Okay. Uh, we start with one werewolf. There turns out to be dozens of werewolves. It makes the news. There's werewolves all over the Cause place. Because what I was going to- Werewolves are caused by space uh, radiation from Jeff Bezos's new uh, space station exploding. <laughs> You're welcome. Topic. Because um, I was going to say, like, if you're doing it as a class divide thing, maybe maybe it could be like depending on like all the werewolves uh, coming from like one like high class place. Actually, no, it'd probably be more the low class place because yeah. that's where everyone does all their testing. Hundred percent. And then it's all bleeding into the high class area. Yeah, the werewolves are the poor people. Yeah, yeah, yeah you get it. You get it. <laughs> yeah. The werewolves are the poor people, and they're going to eat the rich. I'm telling you, this movie's going to be amazing. There you go. 
It's going to work. I'm on board. We're going to get... Um, who can we get in it? I want to say someone really easy, like Hugh Jackman would be a great werewolf, right? Because that's someone who's easy to get. Easy to get. <laughs> and he's... Oh, yeah, I'll just ring him up. But, you know, let's say you get Hugh Jackman. He's, he's got the animalistic characteristics. He's been playing Wolverine for a thousand years. All right, he'd be great. But no, I want to go the other direction. We, we we don't want handsome, charismatic werewolves. That's no. No, no. We want we want complete beast like. We want beast like. Um, we're going to go to the local wrestling federation. Like unrecognizable. I want a cameo from Dave Bautista. Like yes, hundred <laughs> percent. Right. We put him in all kinds of crazy SFX makeup, and yeah, we haven't. We, we it's the rich people trying to defend their house, and the whole thing is almost a parody of itself, but not quite. They play it straight in the film. And, you know, rich, rich people aren't blue-collar workers. They don't yeah. know how to do anything. They don't know how to survive from the werewolves. They, they don't know how they, to do it. They hire people to do shit for them. Yeah. They don't even know how to, like, make their breakfast. 100%. They don't know how to board up their, their door and, like, use yep. a gun and defend yep. themselves. Yeah. You're, you're welcome, world. I've just given that to you. We're instigating the werewolf craze. It's eat, happening now. Eat the rich. Yeah, eat the rich. Do you know what? <laughs> we say we're starting the werewolf craze. We're not. There's been multiple werewolf media recently. Um, so when I predicted three years, I was wrong. It's two years, right? Because it's starting now. This is this is the wave forming. It hasn't crashed yet, but it's coming. Hmm. We have um, we are werewolves. I think it is, or there was been a, there's a werewolf murder mystery one that just came out really recently. It's oh, really? very funny. It's got I'm gonna mess mess up her name so bad. Millia Ventrub, I think her name is. She used to be the flow insurance commercial woman. And was known as this oh, for ages. What? Yeah, it turns out she's a really good comedian. So she did a bunch of comedy shorts with I don't know comedy, uh, college humor or somebody like that. They're really funny, right? Really, really, really funny. And then she started getting a few acting gigs. She cancelled her social media because all the online people are fucking disgusting and talk about how hot she is. But they, they, she says you're not on social media. You won't be able to look her up. Look her up on IMDb. Millie Vantrup, and she's in this werewolf movie, and she's so good. She's honestly incredible in it. Is she a werewolf? No spoilers. I can't tell Sorry, you. I can, yeah. It's a murder mystery. There are werewolves <laughs> in the movie and you'll find out who they are, but I'm not going to tell you who it is. But she's in it. She's excellent. And all I can think of was like, that's that's the first thing I've seen where I went, oh man, werewolves are sick. Okay. We're going to get the we are werewolves, not swearwolves yep. thing. We've, you know, there's multiple things coming in, in recent times. There's a new big werewolf game coming out. Oh, um, there's the there's similar to the movie that just Vampire. came out. Yeah, yep. The, the Beast Within, I think. Beast Within. There's another one. There's a bunch of these. So I'm like, okay, the wave is forming. It's going to crest. We're going to end up with, at minimum, two major TV shows to do with werewolves, right? One will be on HBO. One will be on Amazon Prime. Calling it now, right? <laughs> Netflix won't get one. Netflix will miss that boat entirely, just like they did with zombies. Or, ne- or Netflix will like, oh, wait, is there like a, a Netflix original series? They canceled uh, Santa Clara to Diet. Mm-hmm. Is there any other like zombie-specific stuff that's a Netflix original series? Not that I can think of. Somebody will probably post something in the comments. Or I mean, unless you count like the Army of the Dead anime that's being yeah. made. No, nah, I can't that. But... They'll miss the boat, but everyone will have these. We're going to have um, at least a few major werewolf films that do really well. Mm-hmm. But here's my prediction. I'm going to throw this out here now. Lee Wannell is going to do the uh, the werewolf film, right? So he did The Invisible Man, yeah, right? And, and Upgrade. The uni- Universal Pictures is still trying to do this dark universe thing. Right, they own the rights to Dracula. They own the rights to the Invisible Man. They oh, own the rights to right. the original werewolf. Because they did, they were setting that up in um, the Mummy. They with tried Tom to do the Mummy with that Tom movie was so bad. Yeah, they all actually un, unknown to most people that Dracula, the untold story film, that was meant to be the same. That was meant to be the start of this. Oh, and really? It just flopped so hard. They just scrapped it and went with the Mummy Returns instead, or the Mummy or whatever it was. And then that didn't work out, so they scrapped that as well. It's had a few cracks, right? They're trying really hard. Really hard. Turns out all they had to do was just absolutely hobble the budget, 
really reel the budget in and then give it to an Australian director who's really good at low-budget horror. Yeah. Lee Wannell. He smashed Invisible Man out of the park. I reckon he'll do the same thing with a werewolf film. Absolutely crush it. No worries. This is my prediction. Universal Pictures is going to have the next big movie franchise series and it'll be all these films, right? But it'll be werewolves. They're going to do like six werewolf films. I'm ready for it. I'm ready for that life. Well, you know what else too? Because like... Um they say, like, you know, uh, when you release a movie, the success is really tied off how successful the last movie was, yeah. right? And Lee Wannell's last two movies have been really successful. Killing it, yeah. So, like, no matter what he makes next, it's going to do well. Yeah. It's just going to be if he sustains that or not. Yeah. Oh, man, I'm so ready for this. I think this is it, right? If you want to get in on the werewolf trend, you better do it quickly because it's already happening. Really, we've got to predict the next one after that. Like the next trend after werewolf? Yeah, like it's too late to predict... Like if I go well, back to my Bitcoin reference, it's too late. If you didn't already buy yeah. into werewolves, it's too late. Well, okay. Well, not necessarily predicting the trend, but what would you want to be the next trend? That's a good one. Okay. Controversial opinion, right? Yeah. I would really enjoy seeing a The Mummy sequel with Brendan Fraser back in the lead because my man is back and he's killing it. Yeah. And I would love to see them play it straight, like a gritty reboot of The Mummy, but instead of Tom Cruise and it's part of this bullshit, bar, bring me back some like weird- Like high stakes. Yeah, some high stakes mummy stuff. I know this isn't going to work because part of me as a producer, my brain already went, no, you can't do that. It's cultural appropriation. There's a reason- We're not talking about movies. logical. Yeah, yeah. But illogically, yeah. mummies. I'm ready. Bring back mummies. I'd love to see more mummies. Right? Uh, get some quicksand in there. Yeah. yeah. Those scarabs that eat your skin and shit. Yeah. That stuff Bring back terrifying. The Rock as the Scorpion oh King. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> I mean, look, we'll probably never get our wish, but God, I love that. I love that idea. Actually, you know what would be really cool is uh, getting like an apocalypse movie, something of a similar setting to Mad Max, but you have vampires and werewolves in that setting. And like they're, they're very scarce on victims and their survivability. And what does that look like? What, oh God, what does the werewolf society in an apocalypse look like when there's no victims to feed on? All right, I've got this for you. We're going to pitch this right now. This is brilliant. Sending this to SBS. Nobody steal this. <laughs> We're going to do uh, Aussie Outback, right? It's there's vampires are real, werewolves are real. All this stuff is real, right? But I think we focus on vampires. I like this one. There's something about this. Vampires seems to be trending again. Trending around, yep. Yeah. They can't go out in the sun. We've got tons of that in Australia, so that's already a problem. Yeah, Australia right? is fucked. And they need people to live off. Now, the let's say climate change apocalypse happened. Right, we hit our three degrees or four degrees or whatever it is, and we're all screwed. Right, population plummets. There's water, water wars. Everything's terrible. Fast forward thirty years. Right, society is barely recovering, and we're the the show is it's a six it's a four by one hour miniseries. Okay, and we're following an indigenous vampire who's trying to survive in the Northern Territory of limited people supply. Interesting. Okay, you guys can't see this, but Pigeon's eyes just fucking lit up. <laughs> yeah, he's he's the vampire who just saw blood. He's L like, oh, lit up. I'm, I'm like, I'm like working out the cogs in my mind, being like, mm -hmm. what does mm -hmm. that play out when you mm -hmm. look at like the indi the indigenous vampires? What the I would assume white blue collar Australian um, workers. So like not not just like the uh, supernatural like thing there, but also like you know Australia is unfortunately very racist. So, like, how does that play out? That's why you do it. That's yeah. why he has to be an indigenous vampire, because then you get to have the, the racial uh, uh, side of things, right? So you got you got the the race divide, you got the class divide, which is my favorite, as we all know, yep. right? This is great. You'll love it. You'll love any Korean yeah. thing at the moment. Like, oh, I do. Like Man, Squid, Squid Game, Game is all oh, about. That's my jam. It's my yeah. bread and butter. I Squid live Game and stuff. Parasite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's 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 the that's manna from the gods to me, man. 
any, anything like that that's 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 class related, mm, chef's kiss. That's so good. But this is this to me. I think this could work, right? You got race, you got class. Um, oh my god, if it's a woman, even better, right? Yeah. Oh, there's so much you could do with this. What, that's if, like, what if it's like so? Yeah, she's the protagonist. So we're not we're rooting for her, even yeah. though she's a vampire, and traditionally they're villains. And the whole show is about how everybody treats her like a villain, and she's just trying to survive the goddamn apocalypse, which, by the way, was caused <laughs> by all you people. I just, I think it'd be so perfect. I would get on board with that. That'd be so much fun to write. I have another idea to throw in there with, for on, you. So, it. if you have the indigenous vampire, like adult, what if uh, through circumstance, I don't know what it is, but there's a, a young child or like teenager who gets turned. And, yeah. and and so and so this and this already existing vampire has to take them under under their wing. Oh my god! You got so much. If, if, if even if it's okay, it could be. And a it's comedy, a coming of age thing, right? But now now you've got coming of age. You've got Gen Z versus the boomers who ruin the world. Oh, it's brilliant. She's having she's having to come to terms of like this whole new world this of like being itself. a vampire where it sits against everything else. Incredible, incredible. Yeah, climate change, uh, vampires, race, class. Age. I'm into it. This is everything. It's perfect. <laughs> it ticks all, all the trend boxes. Just just to great. head off any like angry comments for, for this one, we, we would not write this together as two white dudes. We would absolutely be getting an indigenous. I mean, this is also together. like us just like riffing on a podcast. You say that, man. I'm writing this down. <laughs> if I get into, if I find myself in a meeting with somebody at SBS original content, I am pitching. Well, hey, I tell you what, if we do end up pitching this, and we're in those talks, then no one's going to hear this too because we're going to edit this part out Hell of the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. All right. Well, I think uh, that's it for today's episode. Thanks everyone so much for listening. This was a really cool one. It was a cool one. Go go play Back for Blood and go watch Night Living Dead on YouTube. If you're not- Watch it, it in like 480p like the creator intended, just grainy as fuck. Get it. Or do what I do where I'm a massive Blu-ray nerd then I spend like 50 bucks and, and import the Blu-ray Criterion collection from the US. Takes like a month to get here. Uh, but, you know, I get, I get it's all... It's probably worth it. I get all the special features and the, and, the, and the remaster and all the extra interviews and stuff. Yeah. Um, I'm a nerd, what can I say? Yeah. Uh, Back for Blood's good. I mean, also, Back for Blood is very much like good if you have played a lot of video games. If you're someone who doesn't play a lot of video games, I feel like Back for Blood may be a bit of a steep learning steep curve. Steep learning curve. Also, you sort of need friends. Yes. If you don't have any friends, you can still play it and it will like matchmake for you, but it's definitely better with friends. I've, I've like, because I played it with you a couple of times, but I've mainly been playing it like with three, the same three people again and mm. again. I've just been going through it and like having that consistency has worked so much in its favor. Yeah, makes a difference. But yeah, cool. That's the it. That's the episode. Thanks again, and we'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye.